Hi, I'm Nikki Schreer, and you're listening to The Jazz Session, the original jazz interview podcast. This is episode 599 for the 11th of May, 2022. In honour of Mother's Day, which happened on the 8th of May, I am delighted to have gathered eight mothers who also happen to be jazz musicians, and astonishing jazz musicians at that. These mums are of varying nationalities and at the top of their creative games. Lila Bialy from Toronto, Canada, Sarah Elizabeth Charles from New York in the USA, Christine Jensen from Montreal in Canada, Lena Nyberg from Sweden, Linda O, oh, originally from Australia, Tomoko Mura, originally from Japan, Zoe Rahman from the United Kingdom, and Sara Serpa, originally from Portugal, joined me for a conversation about their music, their experiences as mothers in the jazz community, and so much more. Here is our roundtable style conversation. She was born in southern Ontario, a daughter of the land. And even though it was mid January, she had the sunflower in each hand. Her days were filled with harmony In the hymns her mother played There was reverence in that farmhouse A firm foundation had been laid the fields were Everyone, hello to Lila, Sarah, Christine, Lena, Linda, Tomoko, Zoe, Sada. Welcome to the jazz session. This is an absolute embarrassment of both riches and of incredible musicians and women who all happen to be mothers in jazz. And that's the theme of today's roundtable virtual discussion. So thank you all for being here. I'm unbelievably appreciative and in your debt. And we're gonna jump in. I'm gonna ask you each to please just introduce yourself and tell us where you're from and tell us where you are now, if your home is a a different place to your place of birth. Uh, Any other info you want to share, maybe, I guess, you know, what your instrument of choice is, you're welcome to. And uh, we'll just, we'll just start. Um, Should we start with Lena? I'm going by box. Yes, hello, I'm Lena Nibay. I'm from Sweden and I'm sitting in an office at the Royal Academy of Music. Uh, uh, An office that I could borrow for this occasion occasion because I'm going on. And I'm the proud mother of one teenage daughter, 14 years old. And uh, besides that, I'm also a singer and a composer. 
Amazing. And Zoe, I'm going to go to my right. Okay. Yeah, I'm Zoe Brahmin and I'm a piano player. And I'm, I'm actually in London. I'm, I'm English. And I've got two lovely children. You might hear in a minute in the background. Um, yeah, they're five and coming on eight, going on 16. I hope they make some noise. Yeah. I can hear them downstairs. They're playing piano right now. I can hear them downstairs, but hopefully you can't hear it. <laughs> no, we can't, but it's very cinema verite. And then I'm going to go down below Zoe to Sarah. Hello. It's really great to be here. My name is Sarah Elizabeth Charles. I'm currently in, in snowy upstate New York, um, but I'm based in Brooklyn, originally from uh, Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, I'm a vocalist and uh, a new new mother, new birthing person. Um, my, my little one is five months old uh, and currently upstairs with his father. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful to be here. Thanks for asking me to be a part of this. So thrilled that you could be a part of it and that you said yes. And then if we go below Sarah to Linda. Hi, my name is Linda Mahan Oh. I am a bassist. I like to write music. I teach. I have a son who's 14 months old. Um, I'm based in Harlem in New York City, but um, I'm currently at Berkeley College of Music in Boston, where I teach a few days a week, so I commute. Um, so the little one is at home with his father. And congratulations, Sarah. I haven't had time to officially say that. That's amazing. Five months. Great. <laughs> well, thank you, Linda, for, for being here mid commute and mid teaching. And we're going to I'm going to come back to that because that's a, a point of interest, I think. And then if I go to Linda's left, there is Sara. Hello. Um, really happy to be here, too. Uh, my name is Sara Serpa and I'm from Portugal. I am based in Harlem, New York, which is where I'm currently in at. And uh, I'm a vocalist composer. And I have a little, not a little boy anymore. He's eight years old and he's at school now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he can't still be little, although I do like to live no. in the past. <laughs> and then if I go above, Sada to Lila. Hi, I'm Lila Vialli and I am Canadian from Vancouver, but now based in Toronto. Um, I have a little, well, I'm, I'm prone to say little boy as well. He's really not little. He's 11. And he is also at school, hallelujah. And I'm a singer and a pianist and a radio host with CBC Music. Yes, she is. And then because we're gonna, we're gonna shake up um, nationalities, I'm gonna go diagonally to Tomoko. Hi, I'm Tomoko Omura. I'm from Shizuoka, Japan, and I'm, uh, I grew up there. So I'm basically a Japanese person in, living in Brooklyn, New York. and. Uh, um, I play violin and I write music and uh, I have a son who's becoming two next weekend. Happy birthday in advance. Thank you. Other oh, two. <laughs> and then last but definitely not least and very patient if I go above Tomoko to Christine. Hi there my name is Christine Jensen and I reside in Montreal, Quebec, Canada and I'm from Vancouver Island little further than Lila <laughs> and uh, I'm really happy to be here. I play saxophones and compose and conduct a lot of different projects. Yes, yes, she does. Oh, and I have, I, wait, I have her here. I put her up. 
He's Aww. 11 now. So I've made 11 years of this. <laughs> and 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 muzzle tough to that. Um, I love that we have all the age groups covered as well. That's a happy a happy accident. I'm thrilled to find out that we're yeah going up almost through newborns to teens. So there's a lot of advice to be had. I'm gonna throw first to Linda because part of this gathering was inspired by the fact that I was aware Linda had had a baby from Facebook and and social media. And what was so interesting is that she crowdsourced a list of baby travel gear when she was preparing to come out of our COVID, global COVID lockdowns and get back on the road. And I I wish I'd screenshotted it, Linda, because I was like, this is so useful. And people saying, well, this this seat will work in that country. But if you fly on that airline, you're going to be buggered. They won't accept it. So don't take that one. But there's a different version. I just, it did my head in and I thought... I want to see how Linda navigates this, almost like a guinea pig. Sorry, Linda. And then you still recounted some of the experiences you had while you were now on this tour, things like breast milk being confiscated. And I wanted to ask you, how was the first tour after having your baby? And now that you are on the other side of it and you're back in in the States, your, your adopted homeland, what did you learn? What would you do differently? What will you do differently next time? Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to, to other mothers before me who gave me so much advice. Like um, I had a, a beautiful conversation with um, Ingrid Jensen, wonderful Christi- uh, uh, sister of Christine. And she gave me so much advice with, with travel gear and um, talking to Sarah Seppa, to Joe Laurie, who helped me out a lot, uh, vocalist Joe Laurie, um, about just, uh, we have the stroller that she recommended, which is amazing, this menu upper baby stroller that's the equivalent of the baby yo-yo zen those are the two that are airline approved and you know i i would love to really um collate all of this into a spreadsheet um i mean the amount of travel blogs that i've read oh my goodness just just trying to plan this this tour out um i have to say i mean i'm very lucky that um we we were able to all go together with my my husband who plays in my band and um, his mother was available, you know, um, to come with us, you know, so we're able to make space for that. Not everyone has that luxury. Um, And I I don't know how feasible it is financially to do that all the time. But the thing is, um, I mean, the added thing is just the pandemic too, which um, is really rough. You know, they're coming out with the vaccine, hopefully in a couple of weeks for under five. So um, that might change things a lot. Um, so we were very paranoid. We even had air purifiers that we traveled with and even face shields for the baby, you know. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I have to thank a lot of people before me. Frida Knowles, um, wonderful manager road manager everything under the sun organizer activist um um, she helped me out a lot um and you know it was really great to have these conversations with uh, my booking agent music works international and promoters and and actually just get a gauge for who's sort of mobilizing and thinking of these things you know to try and make things a little easier for us you know um and um it was a huge learning curve um with COVID I also am still breastfeeding trying to get the antibodies into the baby so yeah um, pumping milk and 
um, trying to figure out the rules and regulations for each place was was really um, a huge learning curve. And at the end of the day, it's always just up to the discretion of whoever is there at the airport. You know, like in a way, sometimes those rules it just it just depends on the person. So wasn't easy. Um, I, I, but I almost think that it was actually easier than it would have would be now because um, my son's at that age where he's a lot more conscious and he's a lot throwing a few more tantrums. <laughs> and back then it's like he was willing to sort of roll with the flow a lot more. So um, I realize now that that was kind of a really good window that um, um, to, to do that touring. So um, but but I was kind of in awe of you know speaking to Ingrid about like um, you, you know two years pretty much of of having Corinna on the road that was incredible you know and um, and oftentimes on her own you know um, I I just that blows my mind um, but uh, yeah so hats off to just everyone who has done it and and it's it's incredible yeah. into the fact that you had so many conversations with other mothers in jazz in the run-up to this very specific task at hand did it ever make you think 
oh, it would have been nice to have been privy to these conversations in any shape or form beforehand, or had you been, unless you're friends with somebody who happens to be a working jazz musician who's also a mother at any point of the adventure, where do you source the support and also this like very kind of banal information from, you know? I didn't know there was a, another option to the yo-yo zen stroller. I was like, oh, good, take a note. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I wish a lot of these conversations w would would take place, but I mean, yeah, there's that the gender disparity within the field that doesn't facilitate that, and um, um, and I mean, I had some conversations with with, with some women um, um, before I had the baby. Um, I remember speaking to Jerry Allen about you know having three kids and you know um, on the road and and all of that, but. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really think it should be talked more about, um, and um, there should be more of these conversations. I, I've, ha I've had, I, ha I remember having one student telling me, and she was quite a talented student, telling me, I, I want to have a family. I, you know, playing music is not going to let me do that. I don't want to tour. I, I want to have a family. I want to get married and have a family pretty much straight away as soon as we, I graduate. You know, and it's like. It, you know, it kind of made me sad that she didn't think that it was possible and but she was just so steadfast in what she wanted. Mm. Now that is something that comes up a fair bit for me that younger generation of musicians coming through they, you know, quite often they get in touch and I think they want to get in touch about the music or composing or you know, about jazz and one of the first questions is quite often like, um, what's it like being a mother? playing jazz so it's quite interesting so people can't imagine they can't really see how that would work um, and it is yeah I still don't know quite how it works myself but yeah it is something that isn't isn't talked about you know um, and I think this generation I don't know you know I live in England so it's a different thing as um, you know there hasn't been a huge support network of, of female jazz artists I mean there's a whole new generation of people coming through now and a bigger support network for them so um, I mean I hope things do change but it's definitely, it's, it's a great conversation, you know, to meet you all and to have that in common. And I haven't really ever found that um, support network. I agree. I was actually going to say that um, it's interesting because the question was, Nikki, that your question was, you know, do are people having these conversations prior to actually reaching that phase in their lives and careers where they're juggling motherhood and um, life on the road or um, however they're their um, music career manifested, typically it would involve the road. Um, and actually, yeah, it's interesting because if, if those conversations were happening or we had more groups or forums um, that existed in the first place, but also perhaps were a little bit more, marketed is not the right word, but made available to those who aren't even yet there, um, and could kind of observe and participate in that conversation. I think that bigger question that comes up, which I, I've, I've had that experience as well, is, you know, can I even have a child and continue in my dream or my aspirations to pursue music? And I had a, a name musician in Toronto, somebody really talented, a vocalist and composer who actually is doing quite well. She sent me a message over Facebook. She was newly married and she just she really did feel like she had to make the choice and she was in her um late 20s maybe even early 30s 
And similarly, it kind of broke my heart that it felt like it, they were mutually exclusive things. Like it, one could not happen without the other. It was hard for her to perceive of that. And I was one of the very few people she felt she could approach for insights. And, um, and we've all had such a range of experiences too, right? So if people could have access to that wider conversation or if that wider conversation was facilitated more publicly, I think it could be of great benefit, which is what you're doing here, Nikki. So thank you. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's a real pity that I'm not publicizing this conversation. It's purely for my own selfish gain and I'm going to refer back when I need um, a pep talk. Stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Dream a little dream of me Say night and night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me Sweden or Scandinavia at large, if you can comment. Well, I, uh, it, for us, it's a, I, I assume it's a bit easier than many other countries because I talked to some friends in Germany that totally gave up having babies, for example, being musicians. Um, but here we have like some support and uh, like, uh, they care uh, and uh, also uh, we can get paid for being home with a baby for a long time <laughs> at least for one and a half year uh, both the mother and the father uh, not at the same time but like we we share it and of course of course that uh, gives an easier situation especially in the beginning but I would say having a teenager that it, it, all ages have their difficulties because I don't want to leave my 14-year-old uh, daughter at home alone <laughs> for, for a long time. Even though it's, uh, I could leave her for a couple of nights, but it, I wouldn't leave her for a long time still. 
So, and it's harder to get, take her along. It was easier when she was like two or three years old, then she could like hang along and have a good time on tours. So it changes constantly. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with Lena on that, um, the touring part, because the first two years were glorious. <laughs> mm. I was able to take my baby everywhere and do gigs and have support. That was pretty easy. And you didn't have to pay as much for, for travel. And then it got a little harder and a little harder. And now she's 11 and she's really getting set in her neighborhood with school. So yeah, exactly. it gets... It gets very difficult for me to say yes to certain tours now. I have, I kind of have to demand a lot for something to happen. Christine, when you said you had support when she was, was younger, support in, in what form or whom? Well, actually, all the things you've talked about with Lena and, and Sweden, Quebec is similar. We get a year of maternity and we, or a year and a half, and we get really cheap daycare. I mean, that was amazing. $5 a day or something. I don't know. It was silly. Don't, I won't talk about it. For North American standards, it's, it was crazy and a beautiful place. But um, don't worry, it changes when they go to public school. It all. When Christine said that, Sarah and Tomoko <laughs> both put their heads in their yeah. hands and <laughs> smiled. But I could tell there were some tears there. Yeah. I had, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, aside from that um, yeah, support, yeah. yeah, Canada, I hope. I know there's a few little underground things going on with this discussion of women being on tour with children and they're starting to find ways to fund it and help moms tour. Maybe that's what it should be called, Lala. Yep. Moms touring. Grants. Moms tour. I don't know. <laughs> something. Well, it's so interesting because in Canada alone, even just from province to province, like what you described now, we were in New York for the first five years of Josh's life. So I would have had a, uh, an experience that was more parallel to, uh, to Linda and Sada and Sarah. Um, but uh, even in Ontario, you know, and you hear this in the news all the time as part of political debates that are ongoing, um, you know, we're not where Quebec is with uh, universal childcare and um, parents don't have to fight the way that we did in New York. That was bananas, you know, it was like the lottery yeah. well, <laughs> and still cost $20,000 a year. And that was back in 2010, you know, for anything semi-decent, but, but uh, it, the, the, the variation from place to place is, is fascinating. And, and that's where having mothers groups um, that cover a range of territories, but also that are territory specific. So you can address the challenges that are unique to a particular locale. I think those would all be of such great benefit. And maybe we can be lobbying when we hear what things are like for other people. It helps us lobby better, you know, for ourselves within our own jurisdictions as it were. So, yeah. Totally. I mean, speaking of that, Tomoko, you recently got on the plane alone. I know your, your, your husband, your partner was, was back gigging in New York. You got on the plane with your baby boy and you went to Japan, both, I assume, to see family, but also you, you were touring there. How was that? Well, we had to quarantine for two weeks and it was really, really difficult. And the, the government checks on you like five times a day. So you can't really sneak out. So the two weeks was really challenging. We just played Lego all day long and uh, and at that time um, 
it was the first time for my son to meet my parents. And, you know, um, so it was pretty new for him that I couldn't really leave him uh, with them so much. She's, he's pretty much um, grown up in a very isolated um, environment through the entire life. So it's very, um, yeah, it was very challenging. It's, I couldn't really play violin um, much, maybe five minutes, 10 minutes I play and he hears it and he knows that that's the sign that I'm not paying attention to him. <laughs> He'll just run to the room, let's play, you know? So um, yeah, it's pre pretty difficult. And uh, it's long flight to Japan and uh, he's not a sleeper. So in general, like he just doesn't sleep. <laughs> and uh, he's just very active and happy but um, takes a lot of energy and time from me and Glenn, my husband. So uh, he just slept maybe only two hours in and the, the end two hours. So like basically 10 hours on the plane, we were just walking around the plane. And uh, yeah, it was interesting experience. Do you know what the support in Japan is like in general for um, other musicians who are parents specifically? I don't know if you have any friends there who are musicians and mothers. Yeah, I don't have many um, who has babies. Like I, I know some and their babies are, already, I mean, they're not babies anymore. They're going to the schools and kindergarten. So it's much easier, but um. In Japan, I think it's very difficult to um, have time for a mother to do their own things. Like mothers are like the, the main person who take, takes care of babies. So yeah, it's, it's a challenging part that I want to, um, I hope that it changes, you know, in the future soon. <laughs> Well, kudos on surviving that flight. And Sara, for you, because you you really, I think, and I, I get the sense even more so in the last two years, have really started splitting your time even more between longer stints in Portugal and obviously stints in the States. Um, so what's it, what's it been like for you? I remember seeing you when your your baby was a baby uh, back in New York and, and, you know, this is eight years later. Yeah, I mean, I was just as I was listening to everybody Tomoko, I hear you. Like I, um, Lorenzo, for example, he didn't sleep a night, a full night, until he was eighteen months old. So sleep deprivation was real, and um, and again, also like barely any space to sing or to do my things because I was so exhausted all the time. Um, and of course, the pandemic changed everything. I had. I had to homeschool for more than a year. <laughs> so this was a very intense experience, you know, because um, I realized if, I, if we didn't do it, he would not have any support, you know? So we, we really had to do school with him. He was in first grade when it all started. Um, no, actually he was in kindergarten when it all started. So first grade was most of the time online. Um, so, and, and being in Portugal basically meant we were able to be there, but 
everybody was isolated because there was COVID, you know, there were lockdowns. So it wasn't really, whoops, sorry. Sorry. That's you, that's you in <laughs> lockdown, Sara. Um, so basically the life was home, but I was living in two time zones because I had to do Portugal time zone and then there was school in New York and there was my stuff in New York. So that was very, that was very challenging, I think. And I, I, I didn't have much time to to do any music or composing because it was just impossible. So I, I really feel like for mothers uh, who who had to do that, mother musicians, I really feel that their careers, you know, like I would see everybody, all my friends, like, oh, finally I have time to practice this or I have been composing this or I have these music challenges and posting stuff online. I'm like, I can't do any of this. Like I, I barely have time to breathe. Um, so, so I, I, there was like a big impact on that, on my, in my life. And, and then in general, what I think Portugal, it seems like it's much more acceptable for women to have families, you know, like it doesn't seem like everybody has families and, and kids are part of the life. You know, it's not that kids cannot come to jazz clubs or be at concerts, um, but it's still pretty sexist and still very misogynist society, you know? So there's, uh, it's more kind of, there aren't that many opportunities for women in general. So, so because of that, like maybe you don't even feel the impact. Uh, whereas like in New York, I did feel the impact because as Lila was saying, just the cost of healthcare, uh, healthcare no, like childcare is crazy. You know, it's so expensive that um, you have to rethink your whole life and your priorities. Can I do a gig that pays only, I don't know, 80 bucks you know, <laughs> in Brooklyn that will take me hours and then like I have to find someone to take care of my child. So all suddenly it was good to have um, um, uh, these priorities, uh, rethinking priorities, you know, and say like, hey, what is my time worth? And does this, should I really do this gig? Or, you know, so now that I have this little being dependent on me and also like, I want to be present for him. Um, but I do think like the issue of becoming a mother for me is much more connected with the lack of opportunities of female musicians from the, from the start. Uh, we see like male musicians getting all famous when they're, 18, 19, 20, and having all these opportunities. And for female musicians, it takes like 10 years to get to that stage, you know? So I think then when you're, when everything is delayed 10 years, then it's just, it's um, that equation of having a family. I think it's where things get, get a little messed yeah. up for women. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm very late to motherhood. I'd like to tell you all. I had my two when I was 43 and 45. I love oh, that. Wow. Yay, I, I did it. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> well done. on that point, you know, I've, I mean, I left it like, because I'm a jazz musician. I mean, it's took that long, you know, to establish myself and just get to a point where I thought, actually, I, I can do this, you know, I, you know, but I mean, I mean, have children, not play jazz. <laughs> um, <laughs> still working that one out. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's really tough. I mean, for women, particularly in in jazz actually it was the same for me i waited until i was 37 
uh, until I became a mother also like I, I think it's uh, I suppose it's it's one way to solve it but I mean, the other, I mean, the upside, I mean, we've talked a lot about the, you know, the issues and all, but I would just like to say to anyone listening that, I mean, who does ask that question, who hasn't had children yet, I mean, there are huge, I mean, it's just an, it, it, the benefits of having children and that, like, the, the joy of having children and the um, inspiration they give you for your creativity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've written tunes for my children. I mean, they, they inspire me every day. Like, I, I play with them. My, my son's a drummer and my, my kids both play piano. You know, there's a lot of music in the house. And um, it's given me a whole new kind of like creative energy, even though, you know, you're completely exhausted all the time. You don't have the time to write. And, you know, I, I was practicing recently for to make an album with someone and I was trying to learn the pieces. But my daughter kept coming and sitting on my lap and playing her like old McDonald's, you know, in the middle. So that I had to play the, <laughs> the pieces I was learning at the bottom end and the top end of the piano, you know, just to carry on. <laughs> You know, so there's, you know, and it's just anything, I think with any mother, it's just like, father, it's just finding out it's, um, you know, there's no book really, you have to experience it, you have to experience what that is, and it's, you know, it's the same for any, any parents, and I think for dad's musicians, you know, it's the same thing of finding out, it's all, it's sort of your own personal experience, but it is a joy, it's just part of life, you know, it's just feeds back into your music, that's what I like telling myself all the time anyway. <laughs> Sorry, you know. that's beautiful optimism. Um, it's not welcome here, though, quite frankly. And I expected more of you, okay? As as yeah. the token Brit, I'm like, back what, to is, reality. Back what to is reality. this sunny demeanor? No, no, it's a nightmare. I, I, thank you, and it that's a, why. It is a nightmare. And that's why you were invited, right? <laughs> Thank you.
Hi, I'm jumping on here quickly to tell you how you can best support the jazz session if that's something that tickles your fancy. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support and generosity of listeners who enjoy these conversations so incredibly much that they head over to Patreon and become patrons of the Jazz Sessions Patreon page. If you go to thejazzsession.com slash join, you will be able to find out more information about how you can pledge to be a $5 or $10 per month patron for the show. And there are all sorts of perks to be had, including early access to these interviews and bonus weekly episodes. So head to thejazzsession.com slash join to find out more information. And in the meantime, you can rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, which helps the show become more visible to other folks who might be really interested in conversations with musicians about jazz and a creative life. Now back to my conversation with these amazing mothers in jazz. Sarah, I wanted to ask you, apropos those, it's a nice segue because you've just had a baby. Yours is arguably the youngest out of the the children represented here today. What sort of process did you go through in terms of I guess family planning if if it was planned and if it wasn't once it was clear that you were expecting a baby uh what sort of thoughts did you have about your career aspirations and what had to change what only changed purely out of circumstance after the fact yeah it's a a great a great question because I'm I'm listening to you all share and I feel like the you know the thinking about the practical logistical elements of having it, having a child, um, you know, my, my son is, is still very young. And so I'm still me and my, my partner are still like the primary, you know, people who he's spent time with. Um, we're just starting to try to figure out what childcare could, can potentially look like maybe to start just a couple of days a week so that we can get more work done. Um, I'm starting to teach again at, at the new school and um, through Carnegie Hall. And so I'm just like trying to figure that out. And I'm also finishing a record right now um, that was planned to be finished before he, the plan was to finish it before he was born, but he was born three and a half weeks early. So um, that, that did not happen. Um, yeah, there's, you know, the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, um, a lot shifted in my partner in my life. We, there we, he lost his mother and I lost my brother in 2020, not COVID related. Um, and I also had a miscarriage before, um, before have, before being pregnant with my, my son and before having my, my son. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking you're all talking about logistics and I'm still very much in like the emotional space <laughs> of it all um, and transitioning kind of um, through so many different, uh, what feel like so many different kind of scenes of that emotional space. Um, I was really fortunate. I got a, a grant through Chamber of Music America right before getting, um, uh, right before getting pregnant around like the the fall of 2020, I think it was, or um, I can't even remember exactly when it was. My brain is, is very foggy these days, um, but uh, I was so fortunate to have gotten that because it kind of helped. It was like, okay, if I'm going to do music right now, if I'm going to write about anything, it's got to be just kind of where, where I'm living. <laughs> so, so I decided to make it about um, all the music that I was writing was just about my, my experience, with my miscarriage and being pregnant. And um, I haven't really written much since he was born. I've been journaling a lot, writing a lot of lyrics, but I haven't written any music yet. Um, but yeah, there's, to answer your question more specifically, Nikki, you know, 
when the pandemic hit, we kind of thought, and those losses sort of happened and we were kind of moving our way through grief as a family, as a couple. Um, uh, I, I remember thinking like, I've always wanted to be a mom um, and we have a lot of time right now. So maybe why not? <laughs> maybe let's just do it now. Like sort of, and also I, I had to answer the question, like, what am I waiting for? Where, what stage am I waiting for my career to get to where I'm gonna feel ready? Um, and the answer to that was like, never. I'm never going to be at a point where I'll feel like, oh, I have enough time. Like that's not gonna happen. And one of the gifts of the pandemic in, in my life and one of the gifts of those losses was like realizing how precious time is. And also um, that I can, I could really like make the space um, and design my life the way that I wanted to, not the way that um, this patriarchal society tells me I need to. <laughs> um, and, you know, mothers like uh, Linda, mothers like Sada, um, mothers like Tomoko, you know, people who I saw in my life doing it, having done it already. You know, Sada wrote this, wrote this amazing piece um, that's a part of the anthology for the musical mentorship for musicians um, that like had such, I, we haven't talked about it yet, Sada, just you and I, but <laughs> it had such a profound effect on me because it made me realize like, oh, wait, this is, this is possible and this is important. And that was of course, after I, I had already plans to have a child, but um, yeah, the, the family planning was more just like decide, the decision to take, to take a leap and to try um, to do this thing that I had always wanted to do, but that I was terrified of doing um, uh, for fear of what could happen. And I'm still, I'm still navigating that I'm, as I transition back to work, um, you know, this conversation's very, um, you can probably hear <laughs> Tyler's crying upstairs. <laughs> um, but as I transition back to work, it's, um, it's a lot. Um, I have a lot of feelings these days, a lot of very big feelings. Um, and I feel very um, split um, in my identity in a lot of ways. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm working through, through that and, um, and realizing quite quickly that like I'm entering a new space. It's, I'm not who I was before. Um, I'm, I am who I'm becoming <laughs> and, um, and that is a mother and that is an artist and that is an educator and that is like so many different layered things that, um, that feel really rich um, and uh, to, to piggyback on sort of like the yes to, to parenthood and, and to being a birthing person, like advocating for that, if you, you know, anybody who chooses not to do that, um, uh, I completely respect that choice and, and anybody who wants to do that. Um, it's just such a, in my experience so far, my limited experience so far, it's just such a depth filled uh, process. My, I, the love is like, it's overwhelming um, right now <laughs> for me. And maybe it stays that way. Y'all can tell me, um, but it's, it's pretty cool. I love that you said all of that. I, I, I mean, I do think the optimism is important, Zoe. And Sarah, I'm really sorry about your losses. I'm sorry, sorry to hear about Jared's mom and your brother. We know that society is structured in a way that doesn't necessarily help or support women in all realms of life. But if we look at the jazz community specifically, do you think that there is bias towards jazz musicians who are mothers? Does it exist, whether it's from managers, booking agents, uh, musical colleagues, venues? We know it exists on airlines, but that's not jazz specific. Does it exist in different countries, different perhaps? I think it's all across the board, everything you just said. I'll, I'll add a note 
the uh, yesterday I was teaching a saxophone student. One of my I have very few female saxophone students at the school I work at. And I was in the bathroom and she came in the bathroom and she said, I've been studying saxophone for 10 years because she's 20. And she said, I've never been in a bathroom with my teacher before. And I just thought that's like just one of those little, little tops on the cup that push it over kind of thing. And um, as an instrumentalist, I, I don't get support as much as I would love from my colleagues and my my, I do enjoy working with my agent. She's very aware. But other, other than that, my and my sister, amazing, huge supporter. I had my baby and then she had hers. So we were kind of back and forth with how we're, how are we going to do this? And we piggybacked a lot of touring together to make it work. But otherwise, tough road. That's mm. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not really about the mother in jazz, it's just like being a woman in jazz. So, yeah, the mother thing is just an extra layer that you have to go through. <laughs> yeah. It's a hit, I, you know, I nearly think it's a hidden layer when I think about it because most of the women I worked with in the past, again, I'm an instrumentalist, um, it's a little different in the vocal world mm -hmm. because you have a lot more support, I think, and there's other areas where you don't. But um, I think that it is the there's one thing being a woman it's another thing being a mother and the people I work with that are closest to me in my music tend to be the ones that understand a little more and I think that's why I can work with them these are I'm talking about men mostly yeah I mean I know so now I'm you know now I have two children um you know before I did everything I had a lot more time a lot more time to do things so um through necessity because no one was doing them for me you know I've got my own record label you know I, I everything really all the bookings and everything I just you know this country is what it is I just had to do it myself very little support you know I've got where I am through my own sort of perseverance because I love the music that's what I want to do um but now I have two children I have less time to do all those things like you know I was doing like the job of 10 people but I can't do that and be a mother. So now is the point in my life. I absolutely need that support from someone and it's not really coming. <laughs> so I'm every day, you know, the last few months I've been trying, I've been asking around. And, I totally you know, relate to you, Zoe, with all yeah, of that. I'm totally. getting it slowly, slowly. But also times have changed now. So there is allegedly this kind of whole new sort of way of thinking, you know, we're all supposed to be supporting women, <laughs> you know. And that is for the younger generation, That is that is coming through. You know, I'm from a, an era where that that just wasn't there, and so I'm really trying, you know, to find that support for what I do. I mean, I, I'm still doing the music, but you know, it's an added complication having the having the children. You really need that support. You don't have the physical. You just can't physically do it all. And I think that is totally it is misunderstood. And people expect you to do things. You just carry on doing what you've always been doing, but you physically can't do it. You know, and it's not the same being a man. You know, you have children. You know, you're a father, but it's not the same. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's misunderstood. And it's not talked about enough. Yeah. One thing, um, Zoe, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. And I actually have quite a number of team players, as it were, around me. But um, I still feel largely alone. And I don't mean that that's not... Um, uh, I still acknowledge um, the benefit of having them in the mix. And, and many of them work really hard 
but um, I can't imagine, you know, I, I, for you to be managing all of that on your own plus two children. That's supremely admirable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you. Uh, you know, Nikki, <laughs> your your question about just like where are we seeing the impact of kind of still a male dominated world in jazz, especially, but also in all fields to a large degree still, um, and just how how we feel it. Um, as women in jazz and as mothers in jazz, one thing that's really interesting for me um, when I am organizing tours, because I am still, you know, we, we all probably book our own bands. And um, I would imagine many of us coordinate the details around flights, hotel rooms, etc. The amount of planning and emotional energy um, above and beyond that, which most of us would already experience that goes into all that work to then consider okay, if I'm going to bring my child on the road, <laughs> who of the players that I've been working with in various regions, you know, I mean, if you're lucky enough to bring your band on the road, that's great. But then you also have to consider how are they going to feel about having a child in the mix? Because touring in the best of circumstances is hard for everyone. And for me, you know, we're about to go to Europe for two weeks and there's so many factors. So Josh is 11. So we're in dialogue with his school and his teachers can Joshua afford to miss two and a half weeks of school? How do you feel about that? You know, and so first step is getting, you know, Joshua, knowing that Josh wants to go and because he's 11 and actually from the age of three, if you can believe it, we involved him in that decision-making process. <laughs> we felt that he had to have ownership of those decisions if we were going to be dragging him all over creation. And that has been amazing for our family trio, just to be checking in with one another and with him and giving him a little bit of a say, which sounds crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, so that is a piece for us of, of the picture. And then, you know, and then the next stage is like, okay, what are the costs of bringing him along now that he's 11? What is our room configuration going to be? Because he really is not a good sleeper, just as others articulated of their children. Um, he's 11, but he still isn't a good sleeper. And he has all these needs that kind of rub against my needs. Um, and as a singer, it's especially difficult if you're not sleeping and you're performing night after night and traveling. So that's a factor. But then to go back to the question of like, well, who do you hire? I mean, I, I really, I wish I didn't have to, but how amenable my bandmates are to having a child with them on the road <laughs> and um, how that impacts them, that, that's a big factor for me now when I choose my band and it adds another layer of complexity, you know? Um, and I'm grateful that by and large, my, my male bandmates have been supportive and okay. Um, but I also do a lot of work to contain Josh when we're on the road and to give my bandmates space. And, you know, it is, it is a lot to juggle above and beyond that, which we already have to juggle. So I'm curious if anyone else, has that same experience um, where they feel like they have to be especially mindful of how their child, not only their child's needs being met, but how their child might be impacting the needs of bandmates and, and adults. <laughs> Lena, I mean, you have a, a child a couple of years older than Lila's Josh. D does she go with you on the road or how do you do it? Actually, not anymore because uh, she, um we have uh, I, I place in some bands with, with my husband as well so then she uh, it, it's a problem 
so she has to stay at home and we had some great help from my mother and that's uh, and and my husband's mother as well and that seems to be uh, some <laughs> the thing all around the world um but but now now it's difficult so it it as we said before it was easier when she was younger but I, I actually before I, I I'm sorry but I have to leave I'd love to say it's so interesting to hear you all but uh, I would like to say something because the Tomoko was talking about that earlier and and also I, someone else mentioned it that it's also the, it's kind of interesting how the kids are like disturbed by uh, when when you practice or you try to compose and you're really focused at the computer or or really trying to do your music it seems like the kids get really disturbed because they notice that you do something that you love uh, maybe equally as you love your family and and that's kind of uh, realizing that to me it was kind of interesting thought that this is so important to me that even my kid gets she gets jealous when I start to do it. So it's like some kind of encouraging to just continue, even though it's difficult with all those but logistics and stuff that you have to go through. So that's just, I don't know if it's positive or negative, but made me move on somehow. Something to yeah. be aware of for sure. Lena, thank you so much yeah. for, for joining us as our lone Scandinavian yeah. representative. Yay. <laughs> Lovely to meet thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Nice to see you. you also have to jump but I wanted to ask and this is a good question for you there are a couple of you in fact um whose partners also happen to be musicians some of my favorite musicians and uh before Linda left there were also a lot of pianist partners uh on this um but Sara your your partner is a is a wonderful guitarist but 
my husband cheekily said to me, oh, so you're doing mothers and jazz. Are you going to do fathers and jazz? And I said, no, because Father's Day doesn't fall within the schedule of this podcast. So I don't have to. But also because I really feel like physically and emotionally what women go through in order to have children, it's a very different and specific thing. And you are the primary caregiver for, you know, a large chunk of a newborn's life. So that said... Sara, given that your partner is also a musician, has seeing how he deals with being a parent in jazz, a father in jazz, uh, changed the way you view yourself as a mother who is also a musician? Is there resentment? Is there a different layer of understanding, perhaps? What are your thoughts? (laughs) Oh, that's a tricky question. Especially because he's over there listening. <laughs> no, I think, you know, at the beginning, like I, I I really thought like I can do everything. I can have a child. I can tour with the child. You know, I, I uh, we toured, we went to Brazil like when Lorenzo was nine months old. And it was like, yeah, we can do this. And, and so like, and then we had, we toured in Poland also, and he came along when he was maybe two years old, you know, so we've had some experiences because we had the project together that was kind of like, we keep it going and he comes with us. Um, but, you know, has, I realized like you, you're, you become, you get exhausted doing this, you know, because it's not just touring and uh, preparing for your performance, but it's also like, like what Lila was saying, like, the whole preparation along, like how do you keep a child busy uh, on those moments when you're traveling and you're checking in the hotel, when you have the sound check, you know? So, and basically what I realized was there was never a downtime for me, you know, during those travel travelings and tours. And for us, we would come home completely exhausted. Um, so I think like at some point we started making a, a more kind of like a silent agreement that maybe we can, uh perform with other bands where that we lead and our projects will only happen <coughs> our uh, co-led project uh, will happen when we have maybe grandparents around or when we are in portugal and we can leave the child there um so there's i think it keeps changing you know and, and one of the beautiful things is that yeah like when they're five months it's different from their one year old when they're two you know so it it will start getting different kinds of freedom along the way um but for sure of course like when you're not sleeping for 18 months and then when you realize like you're the one who gets up at night you know <laughs> you, there's there's you know it's things that you have to negotiate and learn from those from, from that um but I, I i think it's finding a balance always and adjusting to the changes because the child that existed one year ago like is different now and has different needs and different opinions and um so it's uh yeah i think go with the flow but still um still save time for the relationship we have with our partners i think it's important too you know because i think it, it can get so consuming you know and especially those first two years first three years like it requires so much energy from the parents that then you forget about anything else in your life you know and and so I think it's important to own to own the space where you're still 
uh, where I'm still me, you know, I'm not, I don't have to, to watch anyone where I can have a glass of wine and have fun and go out and, you know, uh, where I don't have to worry constantly and be a caregiver. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but <laughs> you totally did. And there was a lot of stage advice in there for musicians and non-musicians alike. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope we can get together again. <laughs> Pulled it off once. Bye, Sada. Thank you. Bye. Tomoko, parenting with a fellow musician? Um, for me, uh, well, my son was born like a week before the pandemic started and everything shut down. So just the first year we didn't have any support at all like i mean no one could help us so it was very intense so um and um if one of us wanted to work on the music one of us have to you know babysit so like it's uh it's tricky to have the same you know both are working like it, it never happened like just one of us working and one of us are doing uh the baby stuff so it was um, tricky and I, I hope that it will change soon. It's, it, things are getting better, but um, it's, a, it's a bad feeling, you know? <laughs> I feel bad to be working when someone can't work, when he wanted to maybe work on, you know, music because we need to work every day, you know, because like it, to just maintain the inspiration and everything. And it's just very difficult to, maintain that so it was intense and uh and i don't know what we're gonna do because you know child care is very expensive in new york and um we have a hurricane Ida situation and we had to evacuate from our old apartment and now the rent is more expensive so it's very difficult to afford everything but we pay to practice basically <laughs> yeah we we pay day, daycare or you know, uh, babysitter so that we can work on the music. And that's how it's working for me now. So it's a, it's a difficult time, but I mean also, but it's very um, enriching at the same time. So it's kind of crazy. It's, um, it's amazing experience, definitely. And I look at the world differently now. So it's a beautiful thing that ha that's happening but at the same time it's juggling it's always a battle
any parting wisdom? You know, I would just say, so this, I'm 11 years into motherhood and this gathering has been such an education even for me. Um, and I think it just reminds me of what, you know, like our, your initial question of Linda, Nikki, that, um, that like that we just have, we need to capture <laughs> these conversations and, and translate them into resources that are more readily available and are being updated in real time. Like, I don't know what that look would look like. I mean, I have a few ideas for how that could look, but even just, you know, childcare is such a big one, whether you're on the road or at home. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, as, as, um, as Sarah was talking and she, you know, she was just alluded to the fact that it sounds like her family is in Portugal. And so they have support when they're there, but when they're in New York or elsewhere, they probably have to find some childcare elsewhere, right? Like from, they have to bring somebody in. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting? And this sounds probably at face value, totally impossible to execute, but we've had to find babysitters all over the world for Josh. And when there are language barriers, it's even more challenging. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if somewhere, like I keep a list of my favorite restaurants from place to place because I have all these food allergies. So what if there was a, an equivalent list for childcare people? Now, obviously that list is gonna be changing all the time because folks who babysit are often younger and their lives are transient and they'll move on to other things. But what if there was like a working list and each venue had one or mothers were sharing that list for respect for different cities. Like just that alone could bring greater ease um, because I would love it if every presenter that um, we were working with in whatever city had had someone they could recommend, but often we'll ask and it's like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not getting any useful information. So it is usually from other mothers that I may find somebody, um, people who, but it would just be awesome, it would be, less cumbersome if we had some of those lists kind of as working documents, living documents that were also being updated by everybody who's out there touring the same markets. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think it's a great uh, idea. I mean, I know that Sarah and Sarah are, are very active on a, a great many um, organizational groups. So maybe, um, not that I'm saying you need another one, Sarah, and, an, and a newborn, but I'm saying some, something, it would be great if something similar existed for mothers in jazz. And that would be a resource that could be part of that. Good idea. Yeah, we just had a, con a convening um, called This is a Movement and Sato was a part of the organizational steering committee with, with me along with myself and, and others. And um, Sato was very, very keen and on um, on really spearheading the conversation around birthing people and being a birthing person in the music industry. And it was the first, I've done a lot of you know gender uh, related conversations and work over the past six years. And it was the first time, you know, that, that I had been a part of a convening where that was, a, a you know, a really devoted conversation. Um, and this conversation makes me see like how it's, it's just really valuable and really important important for us to come together to support each other I'm I'm realizing again I'm very you know new to this to this um identity and this existence um but I think it's also very important as someone alluded to earlier maybe it was you Zoe um to be able to to 
ask for the things that we need. So doing this publicly. So there's like the personal support and then there's the public, um, uh, the, the public lobbying and the public agency and advocacy that, that can happen um, so that think conditions can shift so that promoters, it becomes normalized that promoters know of a list of, of childcare <laughs> people in, in a particular city or area. Um, this, you know, it's, it's, it's essential that we build it into that, into that in addition to having the personal support. And so my wheels are definitely spinning from this conversation and from the convening earlier this year. Um, I think it's really, it's, it's crucial. We've got to keep having these conversations and I appreciate the space so much. Your skin so smooth, it shines through the night. It scares me too, I cannot see the light. My heart, it beats so fast as you're coming close. I can't find the words, your presence yields such fear from my dark eyes. that bias that um, we spoke about and Christine commented on it, it's very easy to be that person who thinks, oh, well, that person, that musician, that vocalist, whatever, is a mother, and I'm not sure I want to deal with the extra admin that comes with booking someone like that or managing someone like that or playing with someone like that. But the point is, if there's a visible group of mothers in jazz, they may think twice because they're not just making a decision about one person. There's kind of a visibility that maybe makes them catch themselves. On the plus side, I have had positive experiences of like when my, my kids were babies, you know, promoters giving that extra, you know, booking suites where like my mum could come and babysit with us if we had to travel, you know. So that there is people were very good actually um, in the early days making that finding a way to get me to these gigs that would work you know so that it could happen so I've been quite lucky in that respect one of the few things that have worked <laughs> no and, and I mean I should say there are great people out there I'm not saying that this community or this industry exists to mm. really you know make mothers in in, in the mm. jazz community climb uphill mm. but it would be lovely if it was more commonplace I suppose is all yeah, yeah. I'm saying do you all know the author Madeline Lingle she wrote the book the children's book, A Wrinkle in Time. Oh. She's a, so Christine, yeah, more our generation maybe, but anyways, she is wonderful. And I read a book by her called Walking on Water. And at one point she wrote, she's a, she's a mother and she spoke to what we're talking 
about here. And she said, you know what? I am the best mother. I am my best self as a mother when I'm writing because she used to feel those competing interests. And I just have had to let that sink in time and time again because of the tension of music versus Josh, because sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> very real, it may manifest in a very real way and other times it's on a heart level. And it's so good to be checking in on the balance of things, but I love that. Like when we are making music and doing what we feel we've been created and called to do, vocationally, we are actually better mothers. Yes. And I, I believe that with every fiber of my I, being. I would just, yeah, I'll just add Especially since the pandemic, it, it kind of gives you a new outlook on life a little bit. But I think also life has gotten harder through the years as I've had my child. But it's also the joy she gives kind of balances it. So, and that that's probably the only thing music can't do for me because I can always turn music on or work on music. But a child is this very precious thing and you get to watch them grow for a very very long time and you get to hopefully influence them in good ways to make the world a better place and i think that music that part that lila is saying adds to it thank you for sharing that i think that's a beautiful place to end i see that zoe's optimism has now rolled over to lila and christine <laughs> thoroughly disappointed <laughs> The Canadians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I knew I couldn't rely on the Canadians <laughs> to make things all, you know, dark. Um, but I cannot thank you all enough for this time and your insights and your honesty and offering up all of this personal, emotional information uh, with such beautiful turn of phrase. Thank you all. Lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking. Amazing. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Thank you, Nikki. So great to see you all. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki. Great to connect. Ciao. I know I have a tendency to gush, but I really cannot thank today's guests enough. A gargantuan thank you to Lila, Sarah, Christine, Lena, Linda, Tomoko, Zoe, and Sarah for giving of their time and insight so generously. I loved this experience and I learned so much and I hope that 
everyone who listened did too. Please do let me know how you enjoyed it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jazz Sesh, Facebook and Instagram at The Jazz Session. And there's also a YouTube channel to which you can subscribe to watch video excerpts of my interviews with this season's guests. A big thank you to the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the show's theme music. And I will make a note of all the tracks that were played during today's episode in the show notes for this episode that you can find online or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, do reach out to me. My name's Nikki Schreer, and I'll see you next week for another episode of The Jazz Session, the original jazz interview podcast. <laughs>